I'm Paul Comfort. On this edition of Transit Unplugged, I speak to Peter Varga, longtime leader of Grand Rapid, Michigan's transit system called the Rapid. During his 20-year tenure at the Rapid, Mr. Varga has led the agency through a number of improvements, including tripling ridership, twice being named the Outstanding Public Transportation System by APTA, and lots more going on, including CNG, etc. All that on this industry legend, Peter Varga's interview on Transit Unplugged. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. Hi, this is Paul Comfort, your host of Transit Unplugged. And today we're at the APTA Legislative Conference in Washington, D.C. And my guest is uh, one of our transit industry leaders, the former chairman of APTA and the CEO of The Rapid in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's Peter Varga, CEO. Peter, great to have you with us today. Uh, nice to be here, Paul. So Peter's one of the rare, uh, rare breeds in our industry that's been at his position for over 20 years. A lot of transit CEOs uh, are on the track of you know moving from place to place every three to four years. So tell us a little about yourself and how you ended up as CEO 20 years ago. Well, um, I started working as a director of operations for an entity called Grata, uh, Grand Rapids Area Transportation Authority, which was really not an authority at all. <laughs> and so when the executive director quit, um, they asked me to take over as interim, and I did. Uh, but the authority was really like a 1950s-style transit that had taken over from the private entities and they really didn't have any good funding stream. So I, I went to the mayor of Grand Rapids at the time and, and said, you know, this is really not gonna work for you or me because we're not gonna have a transit system that really matches the kind of city you're thinking about. So he'd agreed and he got the five other mayors together and we they agreed on uh, creating a new authority with a property tax millage basis. And so that started the process of, of uh, becoming the rapid okay and then and then you kind of helped even create you were there at the genesis side. i was at the genesis because yeah. because john logie and i the mayor developed a friendship and we started working on it i i would also say that he he insisted that it just be quiet meetings at first because i said you know people think we're meeting in some uh club uh talking about transit with the mayors you know what are we doing yeah, yeah. you know and he said no no this is the way we do it and he was right and we we got it organized we passed the first millage and then and then we had four different increases since then so, so what are you at now we're we are at 1.47 mil property tax but there was four different expansions and so over time we went from a small transit system to a mid-sized transit system and then we went from um having just uh you know around 46 buses going out of peak to 129 buses going out of peak so okay. you know things yeah, just that's... started moving and that's probably why i've been there for so long you know because we had successive increases and and uh, we, we had a, i had a very supportive board that's wonderful so uh what made you interested in transit i mean you know how did you actually get into our business a lot of people just kind of fall into the transit business yeah. how did you get into i it? would say i fell into it uh, I was I, I thought I was going to end up being a professor of political science and I went to UCLA to prep myself for that and I realized this is not really what I wanted to do and so I, I ended up uh, working in the survey research field for a while and worked for the, the Research Triangle Institute and other organizations and then at one point I was between contracts and 
uh, my car engine blew up. I had to borrow money from my dad. And somebody said, well, you'd been driving a cab in New York City, so go down to Santa Cruz Metro, hire to be bus driver, pay back your debt. And that's exactly what I did. And I, I worked for a bus as a bus driver and then ended up being a, uh, um, working as a dispatcher, road supervisor, training and safety. And before long, you know, here I am still talking to you I'd say the same exact thing, you know, <laughs> just yeah. kind of fall into things. Yeah. 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 So uh, how did you end up in Grand Rapids? Uh, Grand Rapids, I was I was recruited, actually, because I was in Muskegon running the Muskegon uh, transit system okay. at the time, which is uh, which was a small county system. But the person who was running Grand Rapids at the time wanted somebody who had a little good operations background. Gotcha. And so You've done it all, me. right? Yeah, so, yeah. And that worked out for me because I did that only for three years and then I ended up being the director. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So Grand Rapids is now home, I guess, right? It is. It has been. Married um, with kids there and all that stuff? Raved to family? or? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I got remarried. So my wife, Susan, was teaching in Sparta nearby. Um, and she had two daughters. I had two daughters. So we tried to mesh that together. But um, now we, we have grandchildren, you know, so. That's the um, great, greatest day yeah, to have grandkids. Yeah. 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 So we're, we're there. And I'm essentially there. So even though I'm, I'm leaving in... Uh, six months i'm hoping to still be engaged in transit somehow but but we're there yeah that's good so tell us a little bit about grand rapids the area and then about the scope of your transit system you know how many vehicles how many employees how many you know that kind All of right. stuff so really the the rapid is six cities you know okay. it's, it's a combination of six cities working together to to have a regional system um, grand rapids is really half the population uh, the other five cities are the other half of the population. And what is that total amount of people in that area, do you know? Well, I, you know, I, I'd say in terms of direct service area, we're talking about 300,000 people. Okay. Um, and um, the, the, the board itself that I work for it are appointees from those six cities. Okay. You know, so Grand Rapids has five appointments and all the five other cities have two appointees each. So that comes up with a 15-member board. Um, the mayors pick all the appointments, and right now I have four of the mayors actually on my board. So it's kind of been like that all those years. There's yes. always been mayors coming and going on the board, okay. and, and there are appointments made by the mayors of each city. So um, in, in, re, in, a sense, in essence, it's a balance of service from the urban core out to the edges of um, sub, the suburbs. Right. You know. Are those other four or five cities, are they considered suburban cities to yeah. Grand Rapids? Well, or are they... Some are kind of more like cities, but others are really more like suburbs. You know? okay. So it's, a mix. it's yes. a mix of thought. And so one of the things we did when we created the Rapid is we created what I think what people are talking about, not last mile, first mile service. Right. We had one that connected anybody in the service area to the root system okay using, that's great. using a special vehicle i you know i think we did tnc work before there was tnc's <laughs> that's something and so and but that that was to guarantee so that when the mayor said we're going out from it there was nobody who's going to be excluded from service yes you know? that's good yeah so tell us about the service itself like what do you have how many buses how many employees that kind of a thing okay well we well we have um we actually have 150 buses uh as part of our line hall service uh, we have another um, about 50 buses doing paratransit work, and we operate for the city of Grand Rapids a dash shuttle program, a downtown area shuttle program that they're buying the, the Gaelic buses, and then we operate it for them okay. as a downtown sh shuttle service. So that's really what our, our base of operations is. And so 
Um, and then MV Transportation is doing all of our paratransit work. So that's, I used to work for them. That's a separate yeah. contract. Right? Okay. So that's not us, that's them, but right. it's under our rubric. Do they own the vehicles or do you own them? We own the vehicles, actually. We, we maintain the inspection on them. And, and fuel? Who, who and, provides that? And they, they, it's under all contract with MV. Okay. So they, they provide the fuel. Those vehicles are actually propane. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, and then our vehicles are transitioning from diesel to CNG. So within... Within, I would say within 10 years, it's going to be 100% CNG fleet. I wanted to ask you about that. Tell us about the decision-making process. So many people are looking at alternate fuels now yeah. or electrification. How did you end up with CNG as well, your choice? We, we did a lot of investigation as electric versus CNG. Certainly diesel we didn't like because of the, the price of diesel fluctuated. And there were some years in which it went just outside you know, the realm of being able to maintain a good budget. Yeah. Um, so we did a long-term investigation of electric versus CNG, and we had to make a decision. You know, it was getting to the point where we had to. And electric had its issues for us, right? Because we have we have long routes, and um, oh, okay. And, and then we have, you know, how how we're gonna electrify the vehicles at peak, and you know, what is the cost of that? Yeah. And so we ended up deciding CNG was probably what we're gonna do. Uh, with with the mindset that maybe you know ten years from now there's gonna there's gonna be another shift where we go now electric makes sense and the reason why electric can make sense if you get the right pricing right if you if you can afford it then actually you have better maintenance programs because you're not, you're not running buses that have a lot of moving parts right? yes yeah so. That's but that good. was a big debate. We did a whole, you know, deep dive into it. Yeah, is Michigan like? Do they have a? Are they a supplier state of CNG? They are. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. helps too. I was down in Fort Worth recently with Paul Ballard. Yeah. And they they have like the biggest CNG fleet in America, I think, because yeah. Texas is really big on right. You know, compressed natural. We gas. We did have compressed natural gas. We ha we also had a, a high, a good point for fueling, where okay. where it was coming in a. At a at a high pressure point so we could have fuel buses really very well so oh, that's that was great. important that's important too yeah. and then we can partner with a with a company to actually then also sell fuel from our facility to private providers so, oh nice yeah because they can manage it for yeah. us yeah that's good so how many employees do you have what's your budget that kind of stuff well our, our budget is about 40 Two million dollars um, operating, and then and then we also have capital. I mean, this year the capital is a lot because um, we 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 are starting a BRT project, right? So ah. that's a, that's a seventy-two million dollar project. Will take two years. Um, this is our second bus rapid transit. Uh, the first one, the Silver Line, is actually doing well. Ridership is increasing on that, and and we're happy with that. I think because we brought that project in under budget and ahead of schedule and it's been successful, I think it was easier to to convince the uh, Congress and the, and the FTA that we should get an 80% full funding grant agreement on that. The FY 2017 budget, we got that uh, in the appropriations and we just they just released the grant to us a month ago. So oh, wonderful. We're cranking up on that. So yeah. this will be the second BRT in Michigan and we're very pleased with that. Um, I would say overall, you know, we, we got about uh, anywhere from, depending upon the service levels, anywhere from 370 to 400 employees. Okay. Um, but with this new BRT, what we're doing, we're substituting our current route service with 40-foot buses to 60-foot articulated buses at a higher frequency. Okay. Um, so this will mean better service in that corridor and, and, and anticipated ridership. We're carrying we're carrying already two million trips 
in that corridor because they're university students that are going from one part of a campus to another part of the campus. And now we made sure it's connected to to uh, what we call the medical mile is where the, all the hospitals and the teaching institutions are, the nurses or the doctors. And mm. So I think it's helping connect um, mostly Grand Valley State University students to their different kind of um, areas. And that, that partnership is really good because the university is, is going to pay for the local operating cost of oh, that service yeah. after state operating assistance. That's how the contract is written. So we know how much we're getting from the state and then they match the rest so that it's 100% funded. That's great. Uh, now, when you got your $72 million from the feds, did you need like on-site lobbying assistance here with, with um, you know, consultants in DC or how did that work? You know, we used to in the past. That was especially when you had earmarks. You know, right now yeah. we, we we have an uh, we have an attorney we work with in in DC, but it's not for lobbying work. It's really for you know legal work in terms I of you. resolving these things. I think a lot of the stuff was done based on, on personal relationships and and coming in and have meetings with folks. You know, I always tell people you should go meet with everybody and you yeah. should find out how you can access the funds and what do you do. Um, so we would do a lot of that. Um, and with all the years that I spent in transit, you know, I had relationships with FDA administrators and would know the staff. And so you, you, the, the, the part for us that was hard was that there was less and less 80% funding for these projects, right? And so, and, and we really needed that because we have secured the state match. So we put a big push on saying, well, we have all the state match and we need this in one full year so we can move and it needs to be 80 percent the only thing they took off was the the 53 fda 5307 formula when we, we did for design so they took that piece out two million out and that's that's your contribution okay and the rest of it was an 80 20 that's grand wonderful yeah yeah, yeah. and and uh sounds like you got it just in time before some of those things well are, that was the other thing full you funding know? credit agreements are hard to come by well, now we knew that was coming yeah you know and so i, I put a big push on we need a full funding grant agreement in FY 2017. You know, we just need that. And part of the issue was, you know, the state was providing the local capital match, right? And they, but they were putting together comprehensive transportation funds, which are their gas tax money, and general funds, which right. is that has to be spent that year, right? So otherwise, it's gone, right? right. And so my my thing back with the FTA was. I got the local match. I got all of it now. If I don't get all of it, then I'm going to lose that general fund dollar. So we need we need to move this project now. Um, you, know, you got it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, very good. So um, so that'll be your second BRT line. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, and we're opening in in um, May of 2020. So that'll be a while. But uh, we we have a really good successful BRT project now. I'm very proud of it because it is I think it's genuine level boarding it's it's got the stations it's got the the, the announcement that say when the vehicles right. are coming it's got all the features of what uh, a brt should be the even the the platforms are uh, we have um, heat under it so it keeps the snow off because you know grand rapids is in, is in a winter area uh, that's right and is, we, it, is there payment off the bus or do you pay when you get on you have uh, off the bus payment so yeah we have uh, ticket vending machines and then people board from all the doors that's wonderful. Um, keep it keep it snapping, right? Right, right. Yeah. And actually, 
in, at peak is when we needed dedicated lanes only. So 70% of it is at peak dedicated lanes, otherwise it doesn't. Right. The irony, Paul, is that um, people look at the signs and, and the pavement and it says bus only, so they, they're keeping away from the bus lanes <laughs> at the off peak. That's good, yeah. But, but because it's really not necessary yeah. though. And how often are you running it uh, during peak hours? Is during, it? it's every 10 minutes. 10 minutes. That seems to be the trick around the country is between 10 to 15 minutes is high frequency transit. When people know that they don't need a bus schedule, yes. that they can just go out there and stand there and it's going to be there in a few minutes. Yeah, 10 minutes. You know, yeah. It's, 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 uh, I, I totally agree with you. I think the frequency issue is a big one. Uh, all of our other routes at peak are 15 minutes. Uh, but that's only half our system. You know, okay. Otherwise, it's every route is at 30 minutes. Um, and, and really what really works in my mind for the future is that transit systems has to have to start thinking about if they're meeting an urban core level of service, um, then you really need to have that frequency because that's when people make up their, their minds about what mobility choice are they going to use. And that's you have right. to be competitive on time, yeah. right? The BRT is great because it's, you know, 10 minutes at peak and falls off to 20 minutes at off peak. But um, the, the university service, the, the Laker line, which serves mostly university students, that's going to be at a six minute frequency. So oh, that's great. We're, we're now talking about a to totally different base level of frequency. And, and are you moving to an app-based payment plan, or is it a card, or how do you... We're going to have both. We're having a test phase right now, so we're in that pilot mode, and then we're going to kick it off in the summer. Uh, by the end of the year, we'll have um, a firm distributing all those cards at, at all the major retail locations. Yes, right. Um, so by then, it'll be very accessible to folks. Um, and then w with the program, we'll end up also with mobile payment systems. So um, it'll be the smart card, it'll be the mobile phone. Then, and then we have an arrangement with Spectrum Hospitals, a major hospital, where their employees all ride for free on transit using their barcode system that fits okay. with our smart card and process. And then do they pay you based based on ridership? And they pay us based on ridership, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Interesting. Let's talk for a minute before we go into the future a little bit more about your past. So you were okay. chairman of APTA yes. from 2013 and 14 and started yes. the RCA Council and those things. Yeah. Tell us a little about your time as chair of APTA and the role that APTA plays for CEOs such as yourself in the industry. Well, I think, you know, first of all, any time you become a APTA chairman, it's it's really good for your agency. It's really good for visibility on stuff. My board was always very supportive of that. The mayor of Grand Rapids then thought it was the greatest thing because you know we had that visibility. It, it gave really you national helps. exposure. It does. It yeah. does. Um, at that time, um, after it was going through some issues with with finances mostly and trying to make sure that it worked. So I looked at that and then there were like five different uh, parts of APTA that was looking at finances. So I decided they needed a finance committee to be able to do that. And then you pulled the audit in as part of that. So you didn't have a separate audit committee. Um, and the other thing I did, yeah, was the, the RCA council, which took all of the money that we were putting in for advocacy, but coordinating it with the, the different all marketing elements of our industry, plus what APTA wanted to do. And those, those are some of the major things that that I was able to push forward at the time, which is which is created stability for the organization. You know? That's good. When you were when you were chair, about how much, what percentage of your time would you say you spent on APTA uh, matters versus you know running your own agency? Well, I think there was a little more than usual, to be honest, um, especially because of the year it was. Um, 
uh, that year I had to also go to the Canadian Urban Transit Association conference in Canada and we ran jointly a practicum, practicum on finances okay. at the time. So there was, there was some of that. But largely, uh, because I attend most of the after meetings anyway, I was okay. a transit board member for years. Um, and, and I was on the executive committee twice, so I was engaged and gotcha. as an executive committee member, I was okay. already engaged. So the, the, the thinking for me at the time was, well, maybe I should run for treasurer after, but people were pushing me to go be vice chair so I could be chair of after and decide, well, this is a good time to do it. So we did. I, I would say that um, one can manage both. The, the real issue is how much time you're spending on weekends. Right, you know that's the that's the big difference because yeah. your weekends away. Those are, yeah. that's you're contributing that as part of, for the industry. You're Absolutely, not being, yeah. you're the conference really is all over paid. the weekend. It seems like you you're know? not being paid for that. No. Yeah. So okay, well that's that's wonderful. So we're here at an after event and. Uh, there's a lot of chairmen here. I was thinking about how much time Doran Barnes must have spent. He was always traveling and always doing yeah. that, and yeah. it's just a big commitment. But it's important for our industry. Yeah, it depends on what you know, what where you are, and what year, and what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Matt Ford is also doing a really good job. Yeah, right he's now. doing he's an awesome doing job. Back, yeah, he's doing an excellent job. And I mean, so he's laying up for the next reauthorization bill, but he's making sure that the committee structures are really working well. And yes, uh, so I feel good about that. That's good. Let's talk about the future. Uh, so in addition to building a BRT and moving your fleet to CNG, you run this downtown service we talked about, Dash. And I understand you're looking at maybe rebranding and what's happening there. Are. It's a partnership between the between what used to be the parking services department of the city that's now become Mobile GR. I, I was a Mobile GR commissioner, actually. Um, and so the integration of different mobility aspects um, in city of Grand Rapids is really working on that, that under that rubric. And they buy the buses and we operate the buses for them. Um, the Dash buses is their, is their route. They're their okay. routes and they decide on it. And they're yes. now thinking about rebranding all that thing. And they have access to money to be able to do that. Um, and, and I think it's a good partnership. It's, and, and they are also looking at different mobility options. I mean, uh, not only um, the dash system, but other, you know, car share, bike share, all those other things. How do those fit in? Because it's, it's mobile GR, so looking right. at different mobility options. And we're just partners with that. Okay. We always have a transit person on it. I serve on it for eight years, and now some is, uh, my uh, long-range planner is serving as a commissioner on the, on the commission. So. Well, that's a good segue to what I want to talk about next is what do you see as the role of all these new, you know, kind of what Nat's been talking about is shifting. We're not just transit, we're mobility. So that includes all these other options yes. you talk about. Talk yes. about that and, you know, from the perspective of having over 20 years been a CEO of a transit system, what's next for us as an industry? Oh, I think we have to be ready for all the disruption that's going to occur because these things are changing. Um, transit was really about buses. It was right. about buses and buses or rail, right? It's on, on, on corridors of service and whatnot. But this whole thing about the mobility paradigm changing, it's very real. And, and I actually believe that uh, the main purpose of transit is, is serving a high capacity corridor in an urban area. Okay, and then, and then how you handle the rural services become complicated because you kind of have to have an array of services. The last mile and first mile is really many miles. It's not yeah. the last mile and first right, mile. Right. How does that fit in? You know, how the, what they call the TNCs, how yes. do they fit in with that? 
Um, and, and I'm thinking, well, TNCs can't handle a high-capacity corridor. What, no. You're going to have a, a platoon of vehicles right, exactly. serving yeah. the same number of people? That doesn't work. No. But you're going to have to you're going to have to figure out what your partnership is with those entities that are bringing in people to your service. Uh, so that's going to be one of those shifts. Um, there's another one that's coming is you know how do autonomous vehicles fit in with that because that's going to be another disruption that we see. Um, to me, I, I really equated like Tony Sebo was talking about. That's like when we went from horse trolleys to um, you know, gas-powered right. It's a major paradigm buses, shift, right? Yeah, so that yeah. was a major paradigm shift. I think that's going to be another major paradigm shift. Yeah. But the the mobility options, you, you know, we sometimes forget that um, the young people are taking over, yeah, and they're not buying cars, and their their idea of mobility is, you know, <laughs> do I have access to a bicycle? Can I walk to work? Do I have a transit pass? Can Uber take me where it needs to go when I when those other things don't work. Right. So that paradigm means that mobility, you, you have to look at transit as being part of this large mobility picture. You know, so then you have bike racks on the buses, you have bike stations here and there. Um, uh, is, is your mobile payment system what they like because it's on the phone? Because that's how they do everything. So they, pay, they pay for Uber on the phone. They don't right. want to pay for transit on the phone. They, they might even want to pay under the same framework. You yes. Know? So, um, and they're going to be real soon the majority of the people who are working, right? So we have to pay attention to what what is it that they're thinking about and how do we satisfy that demand. Um, and they keep changing it. You know, I ran a special session when I was chair of APTA at, at the CEO seminar. We got young people talking to the CEOs about what the future was like. And then one of the CEOs was complaining. That was Keith Parker. He says, well, you know, every time we do something that you like, next you want it changed. And then one of the panelists said, well, that's exactly true, you know. <laughs> right. Because if we see an improvement, we want to see that change. And I, I think transit moves very slow to change. And this is going to be the, the part, you know, how, how do we in a disruptive world adapt so that we actually succeed? That's the way I'm looking at the future. And what is, what's really going to happen here? And what's in the future for Peter Varga? I'm not sure. Um, I know that you know I, uh, my contract, uh, I told my board that my contract, when it ends, I'm, I'm done after 21 years. I'm done with that. I'm not done with transit. I'm not sure how that fits in. Um, I know that uh, my wife wants to go to Hawaii for two weeks, so that's the first thing. <laughs> that's in the future. <laughs> You know, we're going to yeah, do that because she's good. wanted to do that. So yeah. we're going to do that. Um, I, I'm not really sure. I'm, you know, you, you, I think it's a good time to just stop and think about what, where can I really provide still some value? Um, and there's a lot of um, stuff about transit that I, I could actually contribute in di different places. We're going to stay in Grand Rapids. So I'm not looking to run another transit system. Okay. I'm looking to be engaged where I could be useful. Um, if, if it's not that, Paul, that's just, I'm just going to sit downstairs and I'm going to type the great American novel. There you <laughs> yeah, go. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm sure that uh, with all your experience that you'll find the right niche for the next phase of I'm our sure. life. I mean, that's what life is. I was just downstairs talking with Christian Kent. You and I talked yeah. to him, you know, and yeah. there's a page that turns every so often in our life and we go to the next page, right? It does. Yeah. yeah. But you, you know, you look forward to the future. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is uh, this is also going to be an interesting time in my life because 
I, I can then pay attention to grandchildren, I can yeah. pay attention to myself and my wife, and at the same time I can pay attention to where else I can contribute. So. And it's nice you've got time to plan for it too. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Well, Peter, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, it's and been great. Thank you. Yeah, you've thanks. been a pioneer in this industry. I mean, I uh, hope so. Yeah, uh, with APTA, with things like BRT, doubling the size of your fleet, entering into all kinds of cool contracts with folks who can help pay for the service. I think you've really showed the way for a lot of transit CEOs how to run a successful transit system and how to have a successful career. Yeah, thanks. And you got to have a good sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm right. That. Yeah. yeah, very good. Thanks again, Peter. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Our guest today has been Peter Varga, who is the CEO of The Rapid, an awesome name for a transit system in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Thanks for being with us on this edition of Transit Unplugged. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.